Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about parenting your child through panic attacks. That could be a really scary and upsetting thing to do. And even if your child hasn't had a panic attack, but you have an anxious child, this is an important episode to listen to because sometimes preparing and knowing ahead of time how to handle these things is the absolute best thing. And unfortunately, I learned that personally about a month ago when my daughter had her first panic attack. And that was eye-opening and very sad. So that's why I want to talk about this today, because I feel like panic attacks are one of those things that scare us as parents, because our child is panicking and it's really hard for us to not panic as well. So I want to start off with letting you know what panic attacks are and how they affect people. And I get this on a very personal level, because unfortunately, I had panic attacks when I got into college my first year. And I was an anxious kid growing up and nobody diagnosed me with child anxiety. And I just didn't even realize that my personality was anxious until ironically, I became a child therapist and I was like, Oh, I totally get these kids. I mean, I felt that way too, as a kid. And then after a while I was like, Oh my gosh, I was a really anxious kid. And I didn't, I didn't realize that I had anxiety until I became a child therapist and and especially until I became a mom. Isn't that weird? So when I was having these physiological experiences in college, I had no idea what they were. All of a sudden my heart would race and I would feel like I was going crazy and I didn't know what that was. Eventually I worked through them and I figured out what they were called and how I could defeat them, but I did it on my own and it wasn't fun. So I get it. I guess that's my whole point in my little long story is I get it. I get it because I've had them and they're, they're not pretty and they're not fun. And I get it also because my kid has one or had one and hopefully she won't have any more, but I'm not naive because I know once you start having panic attacks, a lot of times, you know, they're not going to go away for a while. So let's talk about what they are in case you don't know. So A lot of times parents confuse panic attacks and anxiety attacks and an anxiety attack and a panic attack. They feel very similar. They almost look identical, but an anxiety attack is triggered by something stressful. So if I'm like taking a test and I have test anxiety, then I'm going to start hyperventilating and I might feel really overwhelmed and I'm having a lot of physical sensations and I'm having an anxiety attack. The difference is panic attacks can happen at any time for any reason, and they don't have to have a trigger. So sometimes they are triggered by situations that make them more nervous, but a lot of times they can happen out of the blue. And I think that that is what causes the panic in the panic attack is not understanding why you're having it. So the brain will have what I call a false alarm. So all of a sudden your brain has deemed an emergency for absolutely no reason. There's a misfire in your brain and it's like, okay, we got to get going. We're having a big emergency here. And all of a sudden it will shoot out adrenaline and cortisol throughout your body. And it's preparing you to fight. 
It's preparing you for a battle that you are not going to have, a battle that is not necessary. And so your um, heart is pumping and you're starting to get out of breath because your, your body is preparing you to fight. And all the blood is going to the extremities so that you can run, but that makes you feel kind of like jello. And you're having a hard time catching your breath because your body's doing a lot of stuff physiologically in a very short period of time. It's slowing down your digestion because you don't need to be processing that food. You need to be running away from that lion. So that can cause nausea and your head can hurt from all of these chemicals flooding your body so quickly. And with all of these things happening to you in a very short period of time, your mind, which is separate from this emergency bell that's ringing is like, what is going on here? So your mind is trying to make sense of the physiological experiences and sensations that you're having. And your mind is like, okay, there must be an emergency. And so your mind's looking around and it's like, what are you nervous about? What are you freaking out about? Cause you're freaking out and I don't see a fire. I don't see a threat. And I don't think you're nervous about anything because you're just sitting on your couch watching TV. So I don't know what's going on. And the longer the mind starts to figure out or try to figure out this mystery, the mind starts to panic because the mind isn't finding the origin of this emergency. And so the mind is a very rational thing. And it's like, well, if there's no emergency going on and your heart is pounding that fast, then I think you're having a heart attack. Then I'm pretty sure that we're just dying. And maybe you need to get to the ER right away because I think we're about to die. Seriously, that is where the mind rests. That's the conclusion the mind makes. And so I tell kids, you're having a chemical attack, but you add the panic to it. And the panic is the part that really debilitates people. Because when you go jogging, you have a lot of the similar physiological sensations that you do through a panic attack. You know, you're out of breath, your heart is racing, maybe you feel a little lightheaded. You have almost identical physical symptoms as you do when you're having a panic attack. The panic attack is scary because you're panicking. And the panic attack is scary because your mind determines that you're having a medical emergency. That is the component that you can fix. You can't fix the physiological reaction that your child is having in their body. They can't fix that either. That has to ride its course, unfortunately, but you can fix how your mind perceives it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. How do you do that? And how do you help? So in order to help your child, you want to go over the physical symptoms of a panic attack. And so when they're not having a panic attack, sit down with them and be like, okay, I want to be able to help you when you're going through a panic attack. And so let's talk about what physical things happen to you when you're going through them. And they are different for different people. So when I was having panic attacks, it was mainly my heart and my breathing. Those were like the two things I wasn't feeling. Um, and I was feeling crazy. <laughs> I was, and that's something that happens with panic attacks that people don't talk about is you feel like you're going literally insane. And that's, that's actually adds to the panic. Cause you're like, Oh, great. I'm psychotic. And I probably need to be institutionalized. And I never thought I was having a heart attack. I always thought I was going like crazy. I thought I was losing my mind and that made me panic even more. So talk to your child and say, what, what feelings are you having when you're having a panic attack and write them down with them? Okay. You get dizzy, you get shortness of breath 
And if they're not naming something that you happen to notice that they do get when they are having a panic attack, you know, pipe in and say, oh, remember, you also feel um, nauseous or you also feel like you have to go to the emergency room. So make that list. And with my child that recently had a panic attack, it was kind of ironic because I had given her my book, Anxiety Sucks, a Teen Survival Guide to read because she is a teen and she has anxiety and she has mainly social anxiety. And so I gave her the book. I mean, I do a lot of work with her directly, but I was like, read this. It'll fast forward anything I'm going to teach you. And then we can talk about it. So she had read my book, like maybe six months ago. And in my book, um, I have like a whole area where I talk about panic attacks and I talk about how the dictator, I call anxiety a dictator because it's a total dictator. So I talk about how the dictator has access to create a false alarm in your brain and it can flip the switch and it can bring you to your knees physically by doing all these physical things. And even though she wasn't having any of those issues at the time that she read my book, she learned what those physical symptoms were. So she learned, you know, that feeling dizzy, feeling like you're going to faint, feeling nauseous, feeling like your heart hurts, feeling like your chest is tight, um, that you can't swallow all these different symptoms. She recognized as, you know, having panic attack or having some sort of anxiety. So about a month ago we were, you know, on vacation and everything was pretty casual. And all of a sudden she was like, I think I'm feeling really dizzy and I I feel like I'm going to pass out. And both of us didn't have panic attacks on our radar at all. So I was like, you know, did you eat this morning? What did you eat? You know, did you, do you need something to drink? Are you feeling sick? And within a few minutes, she said, mom, I think I'm having a panic attack. Now she knew that because she had read my book. And so she knew all the symptoms, which was really helpful because then I was able to say to her, which is what I I recommend that you say to your kids, you know, I said, you're having a panic attack and that's really scary. And so all those feelings that you're having, like you're going to pass out are very real, but you are not having a medical emergency. And so I said to her, you are not going to pass out. You're okay, but it feels scary because physiologically you're having these experiences. And the key is to not say, and I know I just said it, and that's why I'm going to say what I'm going to (laughs) say, is don't tell them that they're okay. And I didn't say you're okay. I said, these are scary feelings, but you're having a panic attack, not a medical emergency. So you don't want to minimize their panic attack experience and be um, trying to calm them down with words like, you're fine, you're totally fine, you're okay. Because that is incongruent with what their mind is telling them. So their body is in total panic and they're having all these really weird sensations and their mind is trying to make sense of it all. So it's trying to figure out where the emergency is. And then you come in and if you're like, you're fine, there's nothing wrong with you. That's incongruent with all the physical things they're experiencing. And so they're like, I'm not fine. How can you tell me I'm fine when my heart is coming out of my chest? That's not okay. So it's much better to tell your child in the moment that they're having a panic attack that it's scary. You know that they're scared, but they're not having a medical emergency. They're having a panic attack and that they will get through this. And so you're not minimizing it. You're letting them know what it is and that you're going to be with them until it ends. Now, typically, and I say typically because I don't want a million people emailing me and telling me that this is not their experience. 
But in general, panic attacks typically last 10 to 15 minutes. Now, that's the chemical reaction. But when you put panic on top of your panic attack, it can last for a much longer time. It can actually be clustered. So you, you know, you finally are done with one panic attack and then maybe five minutes later, another one comes up. But in general, panic attacks last 10 to 15 minutes and then they go away. And I explained that to my daughter and I said, panic attacks last 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. There's nothing we can do about the physical reaction that's happening in your body, but you need to know that you're not having a medical emergency. And that helped her. And she kept saying, okay, this is going to end in 10 minutes. And I'm saying, this is going to end soon. This is going to end soon. But in the meanwhile, what can we do? And this is the, the second part of how to help your child with the panic attack is you need to engage that brain because that brain is sitting there trying to figure out a mystery that does not need to be solved. That brain is trying to figure out why am I feeling like jello? Why am I feeling like I'm having a heart attack? What's going on? And the key is to let the brain know there's no mystery here. We are having a false alarm. So the longer we sit here and ponder it and try to find the origin to this mystery that does not exist, the longer we're going to panic. And the longer we we are going to panic, the longer we are going to shoot adrenaline and cortisol through our body. And we're going to feel this physical sensation. It's kind of a vicious cycle. So you want your child to engage in something other than the mystery of why is this happening? Because it's happening because you're having a panic attack and it will end when it will end. And you can't control that. All you can control is the panic. And so then you want to engage them in an activity that keeps their mind busy. And I break these down into three different areas. So you can do distraction techniques, physical techniques, or grounding techniques, or a little bit of all three, whatever works for your kid. Now, a lot of times kids will come into my practice and they'll say, yeah, when I am having a panic attack, I like to draw, or I like to listen to music. And that is great when you're feeling stressed, go listen to music, go doodle. But I can draw and still try to figure out the mystery of my panic attack. I could listen to music and still ponder the heart attack that I really believe I'm having at that moment, right? So you want to redirect the brain. So some good activities are, you know, them texting a friend because you really can't text and worry at the same time, especially if they're not texting about the panic attack, have them just randomly text a friend. Or a lot of times kids I work with will go find their mom. They'll go find their mom and they'll just be like, so let's talk about what we're doing this weekend. And the parent can tell that their child's having a panic attack and we'll just go there with them. We'll just help distract them. We'll talk about the weekend and what's happening and that's fine. Other distraction techniques are like looking at Instagram or, you know, watching a YouTube video, reading a book, anything that takes your mental energy away from figuring out the mystery that does not need to be solved. Um, Some kids like to do word puzzles Uh, I teach kids to do an alphabet game where they have to figure out like what is A in the room, what is B in the room, what is C in the room. And all you're doing is trying to bore your brain. I kind of equate it to like, you know, you know how like a bullfighter waves the red flag away from the cowboys. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to wave that red flag to your brain away from the panic attack. So it stops hyper-focusing on the panic attack, the cowboy. 
and it focuses on you or the clowns so that it doesn't last longer. And you can explain that to your child. Use these examples, use these metaphors, because the better your child understands this, the better they're going to be able to fight the panic attacks. Because ironically, the goal of fighting panic attacks is to not fight. (laughs) Isn't that weird? I know. You're like, she is insane. What is she talking about? The more you fight something that isn't going to go away anyway, the worse it gets. It's like those Chinese handcuffs. Have you ever seen those Chinese handcuffs where you put your fingers into both sides and then if you pull out, they tighten up? You may not know what I'm talking about, but it's, it's like that. The more you pull, the more it pulls back. The more you accept or get your child to accept and say, okay, you are having a chemical attack, a chemical attack that physically feels scary, but is not a medical emergency. There's nothing chemically that is happening to you that can hurt you. You're going to be okay, but you can't stop this chemical attack. You don't want to add the panic to the chemical attack, or you're going to be having a panic attack. And so if you explain that, that definitely helps. And then the next thing you want to do is prompt them to do one of these type of distraction techniques. So you can do the distraction techniques. The physical distraction techniques help as well because your mind is trying to figure out why your heart is racing and why you're out of breath. And like we said earlier, jogging produces the exact same physical sensation. And so if you meet your body where it is already at and you start jogging or you start doing push-ups, then there's no mystery anymore. It's like, yeah, I feel this way because I'm exercising. That makes sense to me. It also helps to get those chemicals out of your body a little bit quicker. And when I was in college, I didn't find that really helpful. I just wasn't a physical person anyway. And the idea of jogging in the middle of a panic attack did not, did not resonate with me at all. So I find that the boys that I work with tend to do that more than the girls. But you want to find what works for your child. It'll be different for each kid. The last type of technique, the grounding techniques are helpful, especially for kids that feel like they're losing their mind or they're like, sometimes a panic attack can make you feel like it's almost like an out of body experience. Like you feel like you're outside of yourself looking in. I know that sounds really weird, but that is, that is something that happens that's called depersonalization. And it makes you feel like you're not in you, that you're watching you have the panic attack. And it's a really unsettling feeling that happens when you have panic attacks. Now, not everybody has that component, but I did. It was a really scary component because you feel like you're not real. So one way to help with that is doing some physical things that help kind of bring you back to the present moment. So cold and hot sensations tend to help. A lot of kids I talk to who have panic attacks will say like, I just need to go out and breathe the cold air I've worked with people who have had to open up the freezer and take some deep breaths into the cold freezer. I've worked with people who've had to take showers and either cold or hot showers. And a lot of people eat stuff to make them feel better. So they'll eat an orange or they'll um, eat an apple or carry mints with them. They'll do something that makes them feel better. So figure out what those are for your child and make a list with them about what their physical symptoms are and what distraction techniques will work for them so that you have a game plan before it even begins. So up next, I'm going to be talking about 
One thing that parents do that make panic attacks so much worse, and we don't want that to be you. And I also, lastly, will talk about what you can do for your anxious child if they haven't had panic attacks so that if they do, they will fare much better than if they didn't know this information. Stay tuned. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Okay, so the one thing that's really important for you to do as a parent is to not react and add to the panic when your child is having a panic attack. And this is easier said than done. But I've worked with so many parents who have panicked along with their panicky child and they have taken them to the emergency room or they have frantically called people to try to get help or they have cried with their child. And I totally get that it is really scary to see your child like implode and to feel like they're going crazy or to feel like they're having a heart attack. But you have to believe that they're having a panic attack and not a medical emergency yourself. And you have to act that way. So you have to act matter of fact and calm and you're their calm to their storm. Because when you panic, you just completely validate that they're having some sort of emergency and they're going to freak out even longer. Their panic attacks are going to be stronger and they're going to be more frequent. So fake it till you make it. I always say that, you know, you want to be really calm. And like when my daughter was having a panic attack in my head, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's going to have panic attacks now. This is so upsetting. This is, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking, but externally she saw a very calm mom. You know, I was like, let's just sit here. We were in the mall and I was like, let's just sit here and relax for a little while. Hey, let's look at Instagram. You know, this is going to pass in about 10 minutes. So let's kill some time while we're waiting. And I was very, very purposely calm to help her work through it. And luckily 10 minutes passed and she's like, I I think I'm feeling better. Okay. I think it's gone now. And we were able to see it like it was an episode, like, you know, it came and it went and, and then she was better. And we were able to talk about it afterwards. And say, okay, that's what happened, you know, and it's not a big deal. You know, if those panic attacks happen and if they happen, this is what we'll do. So you want to be really calm and not, in, you don't want to meet your child's anxiety with your own anxiety. Lastly, if you have a child out there who's maybe younger and hasn't had panic attacks, maybe anxiety attacks once in a while, but no panic attacks you want to start linking your child's physiological symptoms to anxiety. And the more your child has a mind-body connection, the more keyed in they'll be if they ever have a panic attack or even an anxiety attack or just physical symptoms of anxiety. And that's really helpful because a lot of times I'll see kids in my practice and they'll come to me and they'll be like, yeah, my stomach hurts. It's not anxiety. And I have to spend session after session convincing them that yes, they've already been to the doctor and the doctor ruled out any medical origin and their stomach only hurts during the night school nights and they're fine on breaks and they're fine on the weekends. And so I have to like convince them that anxiety can affect the stomach without even you knowing it before they'll buy into any kind of treatment. So you can help with this and I'll give you an example. So 
at my house with my three anxious kids. We talk a lot about anxiety, but we talk about the worry cloud and we talk about my older daughter's dictator. And they're very, they're very clued in because we talk sometimes when they have stomach problems and I know it's their anxiety, I will highlight it for them. And so for my little kids, I'll say, your worry cloud is bothering you. And I know you may not think that you're worrying about anything, but your worry cloud is bothering your stomach because sometimes it doesn't want you to think about it. It just wants you to feel it. And that's what's happening. And I know that my kids are getting it because my five-year-old lately, just like all of a sudden has decided that she is going to be afraid of swim class. And my son went through this. And now I guess apparently we have to go through this with my daughter too. It's never ending. So yesterday she was like freaking out when it was time to go to swim class. And I'm like, come on, we got to go. And she was like, no, I don't want to go. And she was refusing to put on her bathing suit. And we've been going to swim class for like three years. So this was weird. And I was like, what's the deal? And she's like, I'm scared. I don't want to go. I'm scared. So as we're getting to swim class, because I'm all about facing fears and she was going to go because there was no other option in my mind. I said, I know it's scary, but if we don't go to swim class, then your worry cloud is going to get bigger. We need to fight it. This is kind of how I talk about it in, um, in my book, but I use dictator. And so we get there and she was like, my stomach is really hurting. I think I'm going to throw up. And I explained your worry cloud will make you feel nauseous. Your worry cloud will make you feel sick. But if we listen to your worry cloud, then it's going to get bigger and stronger and we don't want to give it power anyway. So she went in, she seemed okay. She smiled across the plexiglass and, and she was fine. Although now she apparently doesn't know how to swim and that's a whole nother issue. So we'll be in swim class forever. But this morning I'm driving her to preschool and she said, you know, mom, my stomach feels weird again. And it feels like it did when I was in swim class, but I don't have any reason to feel weird. And that was really insightful of her. And I, she does have a lot of anxiety about going to preschool and who's going to be there. Will her friend be there? So I was able to say, that's very smart of you. And sometimes our worry cloud will make our stomach hurt when we have to go do something that maybe we're a little nervous about, even if we don't know we're nervous. And you know, that's just your worry cloud, but it'll go away. As soon as you get on the playground, you'll be fine. So my point is I'm helping connect the physiological symptoms of anxiety to their mind. So their mind gets, Oh, this is what it feels like when I'm anxious. And that way, as they get older, if it only manifests physically, like they are always having stomach aches, or if they have panic attacks, they will get the mind body connection. And you can teach your kids that teach them when you're nervous. I notice your stomach hurts. And they'll argue, like my son always argues, it's not my worry cloud. I legitimately don't feel well. And, and I'll say, yeah, it doesn't feel good and it does feel bad, but it's because of your worry cloud. And he argues with me the most. And I think a lot of times boys will argue the anxiety component more than girls. Not always, but definitely my boy. But if you have an anxious child, just help connect the dots physically And that will help if they do ever have panic attacks. And if your child is having panic attacks, I hope that some of these tips have helped. So you want to teach them about the physiological false alarm that's going on in their brain. You want to teach them distraction techniques or physical techniques to help them refocus their brain and not focus on the panic. 
And then you want to be calm yourself and model that rock kind of mentality as they're going through it. So let me know your thoughts and comments about panic attacks, or if you have any tips that have helped you and your daughter, um, or if there's something else you want me to talk about on this podcast, feel free to reach me at anxioustoddlers.com and you can click on the contact button at the very top and you can reach me that way. I would love to hear from you. I also want to thank you because a few of you have left reviews for this podcast and I really appreciate it because that lets me know that I'm reaching some people, I'm helping somebody and it's a really kind hearted thing to do. It's a great way to give back. So if I am helping you and you feel like you can take 60 seconds out of your day, you know, write a review that just completely makes my day. <laughs> I know that's sad, but it does. It totally makes my day. And it makes me feel like, Hey, I'm, a, I'm helping. There are people out there who are getting something from this information. And sometimes when you're talking to a black hole, you have no idea. Am I helping people? Is anyone listening to these things? Um, is this resonating with other people? So if you're like, yes, Natasha, I listen to you. I listen to you all the time. Then let me know that that helps. So leave a review and then I'll know, okay, this is totally worth my time. Although I'll keep doing them anyway, because I really enjoy helping. So, well, I hope you have a wonderful week and until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.